Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. You got any guilt? Got any guilt? I used to. I love the word used to. I used to have guilt. There was a certain situation that happened years back that I had some guilt for and would follow me around and talk to me anytime it seemed like I was getting ahead of things. It would just talk to me. You know what? One day, my faith got rid of it. There is no more guilt. And I'll, I'll say that I've heard Dole say, and if there is, I'll know it this afternoon and we'll get rid of it. All right, if I, I'm going to show you how to get rid of yours, how to get rid of your guilt. You know, you shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't. Amen. Let's go to uh, Leviticus, and we're going to go to chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 11. We're going to find out today about a subject that some of you makes you very squeamish. I used to be a school teacher for years. You know, I had some teachers that they could not stand the sight of blood. If there was any blood, they would faint. Now, how can you be a school teacher and not stand the sight of blood? I mean, you, those little students, they need a Band-Aid for everything. We used to have a joke in my classroom. They would come to me, Miss, Miss, teacher, teacher, I need a Band-Aid. I need a Band-Aid. I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. And I would say, Mikey, there's not enough blood on your hand to feed a mosquito. Now, we're going to talk about the blood of Jesus. Verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the souls. This is God speaking. This is Jehovah speaking. And he's speaking to Moses. And he's telling Moses what is going to atone for the people's sins. We know that the word of God is for real. We know the word of God is truth. We know the world, the word of God cannot be broken. Jesus said that. And you know what the word of God says? It says the wages of sin is death. That's what the word of God says. You can't change that. It was here before the earth was formed, and it'll be here long after the earth is dissolved. And what does it say? It says the, the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death. You sin, you die. But look what God says in verse 11. He says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. That word atonement is a covering. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the souls. The people had sin. They had to take care of the sin or they were going to have to die. That's what the word of God says. That's what God says. He's going to send them to hell. So he gives them blood for atonement. Now, what do they do with it? First, go to Leviticus 4 with me. This is Moses. If any of the common people sin through ignorance... While he does something against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty. Leviticus 4.27. Listen to the kind of wishy-washiness of this verse. And if any one of the common people sin through ignorance, 
while he does something against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if he sin which has sinned come to his knowledge, then he shall bring his offering. Now notice, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, under the Ten Commandments, if you committed one of the Ten Commandments, there was an atonement for you. You didn't get to take something to the altar and kill it and have your sin atoned. Under the Ten Commandments, you commit one of the Ten Commandments, you're dead. They get the rocks out. There was no atonement for adultery. There was no atonement for lying. There was no atonement for liking your neighbor's donkey. That was an immediate death. We are talking about the, the little sins, the little oops, look what I did. All right? So it says, and if any one of the common people sin through ignorance while he's done something against any of the commandments of the Lord concerning things which ought not to be done and be guilty, or if his sin, which he has sinned, comes to his knowledge, he shall bring his offering, his offering, a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin, which he sinned. They're bringing a little goat, female, down, uh, down in verse 32, they bring a lamb. And it says, and he shall lay, he shall lay his hand upon the head of the sin offering and slay the sin offering in the place of the burnt offering. He's going to lay his hands. He's got sin. He's going to lay his hands on that she-goat. And they're going to slaughter the she-goat. They kill the she-goat with the sin of the man that gave it the goat. He said, verse 30, And the priest shall take the blood thereof with his finger and put it upon the horns of the altar of the burnt offering. And notice this next part. And shall pour out all the blood in that she-goat or in that lamb. Pour out all that blood at the bottom of the altar. And he shall take all the fat thereof as the fat taken away from the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto the Lord. And the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. That sin is covered. It's covered over. It's not totally taken away. You know what? The guilt's still there. Why do we want the old covenant? Why do we want the old covenant? Why do we want the Ten Commandments? Why do we want that when there is something so much better, a million times better, something that'll make us perfect perfect go with me to John 19 Jesus on the cross I'm going to go to verse 33 but when they came to Jesus these are the soldiers let's go to 32 and then came the soldiers these are the men on the cross crucified then came the soldiers broke the legs of the first and then of the other which was crucified with him but when they came to Jesus when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out there blood and water. The blood came out. Jesus crucified on the cross. He is now dead. The soldier puts in the spear and what happens? The blood comes out out. The blood pours out to the bottom of the cross 
What did we just see with the goat? Take all the blood and pour it at the bottom of the altar. We've got a man, a man on the cross. And they pierced him with a spear. And the blood came out. The blood of Jesus came out. And you know what Saul, the blood of Jesus, poured out on that altar? The Father. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob watched the blood come out, come out of that man and go to the ground. The blood of Jesus. Now, let's go down, let's go across or uh, next chapter, chapter 20, verse 15. This is after Jesus is raised again and he meets uh, Mary Magdalene, verse 15. And Jesus said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she's supposing him to be the gardener. Now remember, this is Jesus risen. She's supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I'll come take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. Touch me not. Don't touch me. Mary, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and my God and your God. Jesus is out of the grave. He has overcome death. He has overcome hell. And now he's telling Mary, don't touch me. I got to go to heaven. I've got to go see my father. Don't touch me. Let's turn to he, um, let's turn to Luke. I want to show us something. Luke 39. Verse 38, he comes back. Jesus tells Mary, don't touch me. I've got to go see the Father. But he comes back. You'll see that in Luke 38 or Luke 24, 38. Jesus said, he said unto them, why are you troubled? He's talking to his disciples. And he said, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It's I myself. He's not a ghost. He's a real man. He said, handle me. Handle me. Touch me. Now he's saying, touch me. Touch me. You can see I'm real. You can touch me. I'm not a spirit. I'm a man. I'm a man now that has immortality. But I'm a man. They could touch him. Mary couldn't touch him. He had to go see the Father. Now what happened when he went to go see the Father? Turn with me to Hebrews 9. Verse 1. Then verily the first covenant... The old covenant, the one with the Ten Commandments, had also ordinances, a divine service, and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made. The first one was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shattering the mercy seat, of which we could not now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, just once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. When that happened... Nobody could be in the tabernacle. Nobody could be anywhere around. 
They couldn't have anybody in the tabernacle. They couldn't have anybody around the tabernacle. The priest had to go in, and he had to have blood. And you know what? If he performed that sacrifice wrong, he was a dead man. He was a dead man. They had to somehow drag him out from behind the holiest of holiest because he was dead. It had to be done exactly the way Moses said it, and it had to be done right. And that blood went on the mercy seat, and it covered. Notice, it just covered their sins. Now, verse 8, and the Holy Ghost is signifying. The way into the holiest of all was not made yet manifest whilst the first tabernacle was standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices, which could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. It couldn't fix your conscience. It couldn't take away the guilt. It couldn't take away the thing that makes you cause the sin in the first place. If you have habitual sin, you not only have to get rid of that sin, you got to get rid of the thing that makes you sin. And you know what? The Old Testament can't do that. The Ten Commandments cannot do that. Why do you want the Ten Commandments when we have something a million times better? It can clean out your conscience where you don't even remember that you ever did it. Isn't that a beautiful thing? A beautiful thing. It'll clean the clock. It'll clean the conscience and you won't even remember what you did. That is a beautiful, wonderful way with this man that died on the tree and let his blood pour out. That is a million times better. Put away your Ten Commandments and pick up the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let it clean your conscience. Let's go on. Verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. It wasn't here on earth. The tabernacle Jesus went to was in heaven. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, his own blood, he entered in once unto the holy place of having obtained eternal redemption. One time, Jesus, that blood poured out on the cross. His blood, why? Because he was a sin offering. He who knew no sin became sin. And they put that body on the cross and they hung it up for everybody to see. And Jesus had his blood taken from his body. The spear went in and the blood poured out. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, turn with me to Isaiah 53. I want to bring out a verse here. Verse 6. Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at those words. The Lord has laid on him 
The Lord has laid on him. That word means meat. When Jesus was put up on that cross, when he was hanging there, the Father took our sin, everything we have done, and he met it on the body of Jesus. He put it on Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness of God. And when he did that, Jesus took our sin on the tree. He became that lamb. He became that goat, but not that little goat for that one sin. He became the sin offering for every sin. Every sin that every man has ever committed from the dawn of time till we are no longer here. Jesus took on that body. And then they took the spear and they put it up his side after he was dead. And the blood came out. The offering, the blood of the offering came out. Came out. And he took that blood. Mary, don't touch me. And he took that blood and he took it to heaven. He took it to heaven. He, God told Moses, he said, I want you to build that tabernacle just like I showed you on the mount. It's a, it's a model of what's in heaven. And you know what? I tell you what, every time I consider this, it thrills my heart. It makes me want to jump for joy. Can you imagine Jesus raised from the dead, conquering death and hell, and he's coming to the Father with his blood. The reason he went to earth was to, to be in our place, to be our sacrifice, to be the blood shed for us. And now he's coming to heaven and he's got the blood with him. And he goes into that heavenly tabernacle, his own blood, the blood for you, the blood for me. And he takes that blood and he sprinkles it in heaven. And you know what happens when he sprinkled his own blood in heaven? His own that was poured out at the cross. You know what happened? You and I got eternal redemption. We were forgiven. We were justified. We were sanctified. We were redeemed from the powers of darkness. Eternal redemption in one swoop. In one sacrifice. Now, how does that work for us? How does that take that guilt that we have in us away? You believe it. You trust in it. You walk in the death, burial, and resurrection. And I will show you what happens. Turn with me to 1 John 1, verse 7. We're going to finish here. This is John speaking. He said, but if we walk in the light, that as he is in the light, when we walk in the light, we walk in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. As you walk in that gospel, as you have the spirit of Jesus leading you and the Holy Spirit leading you, and you walk in that death, burial, and resurrection, that blood that was poured out on that cross for you works in you, and it totally takes the sin even out of your conscience where you don't even remember that you did it. You know, that is a glorious, wonderful thing to have no guilt, to have it taken away, to have your conscience 
purged, where even the reason for doing this sin is gone, totally gone. Do you want that? Do you want that? Do you want where you have no conscience of ever sinning? It is possible. But the first thing you got to do is you've got to be born again. You have to be saved. You have to give your heart to Jesus. Jesus said you must be born again. And to walk in this, to get to that point, you've got to start somewhere. And you start by being born again. How are you born again? You call on the name of Jesus. Romans 10 says, if you say with your mouth and believe in, say in your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised that man from the dead, you shall be saved. And that spirit of Jesus will come in you and he will lead you, lead you to where he will make you perfect. Yes, perfect. For you don't even remember that you've sinned. Thank God. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, care of Water of Life Church, post office box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.